was it tempting to want to head over to the parks or did you just really enjoy relaxing at the resort? It was extremely tempting. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's bonus edition of the DCL Duo podcast. And sadly, a little tear running down my cheek. Sam has another commitment. And so she is off with our son doing soccer practice today. Uh, And so I am going to be doing the bonus show on my own, but not quite because our bonus episode this week, we're continuing our conversation with Josh and Megan. And so I want to welcome them back to the show. Welcome, Josh, Megan. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks Thanks for having us. Yeah. In unison. I love it. All right. We're on the same, we're all on the same wavelength now. Great. We talked about your cruise on the dream and what a fabulous experience it was, but we did not talk about you had park stays on either side of your cruise. And I know one of them on the front end, you were doing actual park visiting and it sounds like on the back end, you were doing a DVC resort only stay. But let's start with the front end of the trip. Where did you stay and what was your park day like? And, And how many days, how many days before the cruise did you, did you stay? We flew from Maine, where we live, to Orlando on Friday night. The cruise left on Monday morning. So our plan was to do two park days on Saturday and on Sunday. And we knew that the park days were going to be a little bit lower key than our normal um, you know, rope drop, take a break in the middle, and then close it down because we didn't want to be completely overextended when we were leaving on this cruise that we were so excited about. So... We flew to Orlando on Friday evening and the flight was delayed and then it was delayed again and then it was delayed again and it ended up being extremely delayed. I was quite worried that our flight crew was going to time out and that we would never actually make it that night. But uh, luckily, they eventually left Orlando on the northbound flight to come and get us after we were supposed to have arrived. So we're, we're talking hours of delay at this point. But we eventually did make it southbound. So we got to Orlando at about 1.30 in the morning and arrived at our room at about 3 in the morning. While we were waiting at the airport in Orlando or in Portland, Josh got a call from the resort, though. <laughs> I, I, you know, caller ID comes up on your phone and it says Walt Disney World. And I, I'm like, OK, that's not every day I get a, a call from Walt Disney World. So I can probably <laughs> pick this one up. And uh, sure enough, it was somebody from Caribbean Beach Resort calling and they said, so are, are you here yet? <laughs> and, and I said, no, uh, our flight has been significantly delayed. I'm actually still at my home airport, but all signs point to us making it tonight still. And she said, okay, well, I have some some news for you. Your room at Caribbean Beach Resort has a technical issue. And we really thought we were going to get it back into inventory today, but that's not going to work out. So what I can offer you is an, uh, uh, an upgrade to Animal Kingdom Lodge in a Savannah View room. So after pausing for about a millisecond, I said, uh, sure, we'll take it. <laughs> So it was definitely a mixed bag in that, you know, such an extreme delay really messed us up in terms of sleep for Saturday's touring. But we kind of got a bucket list hotel off the list. It it was really neat to be able to stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge. So you got a Savannah view at Animal Kingdom, which means you got to see the animals. So your son must have loved that. He did. And so, like I said, we got to the room so late that we were just very tired and basically fell into bed. But then when we woke up the next morning, it was amazing because there was a giraffe and some zebras and other animals outside the room. And so Jack thought it was extremely cool 
to just get to go out on the balcony and see the animals that he would normally only see when we were riding Kilimanjaro Safari. I also thought it was pretty darn cool. <laughs> right? it, it, we thought it was cool too. And it was, I feel like it was an especially nice surprise because we didn't have, we have not been to Animal Kingdom now in a couple trips. We did not have an Animal Kingdom day planned on this trip. And so it was just like a really nice bit of pixie dust to get to see the animals up close from our room. And after the trip, Jack now ranks Animal Kingdom Lodge as his favorite resort, which really surprised me, actually, because I thought he would say either Caribbean Beach or Polynesian, which were numbers two and three. But he was apparently quite impressed with Animal Kingdom Lodge. And and I'll say, even though we didn't roll in until about three in the morning to finally get in our room, the, the genie waits for no man or woman. And so I set my own alarm for, you know, 645, start making genie reservations. and so. While Megan and Jack slept until I think about 10 a.m., I would get up and make our genie reservations as as the system would allow. So not all was lost in terms of touring on that first day. We didn't make it into Magic Kingdom until about 12.15 p.m., but during the morning, I had assembled a, at least a short stack of some Genie plus uh, Lightning Lane reservations. So we had a lot to do that afternoon, even though we got a late start. Well, I'm curious about your experience with Genie Plus. It seems to be a very divisive uh, <laughs> divisive piece of technology at the moment. So curious with your experience there. And did you purchase any individual lightning lanes throughout the park? And how was that? We did. We had been there for one trip since Genie came into being. And so we already had some experience with it. And we found on both that trip and on this trip that it is a pain to use. And it is very stressful to use in the moment distracts from the experience of being in the park, but we have found it to make a pretty big difference in terms of our overall experience and the amount of time that we have to wait in line. And so we see it now as kind of a necessary evil. Yeah, I I think neither of us likes it. I I certainly tell people I don't like the new system. I strongly prefer FastPass Plus, especially as a planner, (laughs) because you really can't plan your day in advance with with Genie. You've really got to... kind of dance along with the system in terms of, you know, what you can get and when, even though I don't like it, we've had good success using it. So it's, it's very much a love hate kind of thing. It's better than not having it, but I wish we had the old system. I also think that for it to really be successful, you have to understand the rules and use it to its max advantage. And so you have to be willing to wake up at seven o'clock and start stacking lightning lanes. Um, And then we did buy individual lightning lanes. For each of our two days, we bought uh, on our Magic Kingdom day, we bought Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. And then on our Disney Hollywood Studios, we we bought Rise of the Resistance. And and what was your what was your experience with the lightning lanes themselves? I mean, were they fast on? I mean, essentially, you're getting in the fast pass lane, right? So there's probably some weight. Yeah. So all both this trip and the prior trip, we really like the individual lightning lane purchases that we've made. We, you know, when you're when you're clicking that checkout button and dropping the however much money on top of the money you've already paid for paid for a ticket, it's it's not the best feeling in the world. But in terms of the experience of basically getting to walk onto the ride, for the most part, that's what we've found. And so our waits with the individual lightning lanes have been minimal. The longest wait was, I think, Rise of the Resistance. We probably waited about 20 minutes. We probably waited about 20 minutes. But that was really an outlier in terms of the 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 wait times that we one, had. One thing I have to say, and and if anyone from Disney is listening, you have got to fix 
the timestamps moving. So <laughs> when, especially for the individual lightning lane where you're theoretically buying a particular time, the time you click, please make it so that that's the time you actually get. Because I just am so frustrated when, you know, you think you're making a 1 p.m. reservation and by the time you've checked out, it's shifted to 7.30 p.m. That's essentially what happened with our rise reservation. And it actually conflicted with a dining reservation we had in Epcot. So the time that I clicked didn't have a conflict. But by the time we checked out, you know, this is the span of just a few seconds, it had shifted all the way to in the seven o'clock hour when we were scheduled to be at Epcot. And um, so we had to go to one of the blue umbrellas to get that resolved. And, you know, to their credit, the cast members were extremely accommodating and, and, and fixed the problem. But well, that's time out. Of, that's time out of your park day, though. I mean, to have exactly, to go. I mean, exactly. Yeah, exactly. As we discussed in the main episode, I am not an easygoing person. And so it added an element of stress to the start of that park day that was kind of un- just unfortunate. Mm-hmm. We were worried, you know, oh, we've got this conflict and we didn't know how it would resolve. And we had to work in going to the the guest services umbrella. Um, and so it, it ultimately worked out, but it for something that could be avoidable, it just wasn't great. But I guess that's kind of the the whole feeling about Genie Plus is that it will get you what you want if you use it right, but it's just not great to have to use it at all. On the Lightning Lane side of things, I would say it's really interesting to me they don't offer a pre-purchase experience for those. Because, I mean, I understand they're trying to calibrate the cost to what the line looks like for the day. And so they're wanting to take advantage of that. But they could simply just say, like, look, you know, the range during the park day might be between, I don't remember, 10 and $15 a person. But if you want to pre-purchase these Lightning Lanes, you can do it right now in advance for 20 bucks right ahead. You know, a lot of people aren't going to like that. A lot of people are going to complain about the cost of it. Personally, Josh, I'm with you. I'd rather be able to plan my park day <laughs> and know that I'm going to get on the ride. Like I, I, I'm a pay for convenience person because we don't we don't go to the parks multiple times a year. We we really at this point, given what the experience has become, we only go to the parks in advance of a cruise, and so we're usually only there for a couple of days. And so when we're only there for a couple of days, we kind of want to hit the big marquee rides and then hang out at the pool with our son. And so we're not like, I'd rather just be able to say like, okay, I know we've got these dinners and lunches and now I've got our rides lined up and we're just going to go, we're going to go do the rides. We're going to have our meals and we're done. And I think it's, it's telling, you know, after the trip, we asked Jack, you know, of the three segments, we did parks before, then the cruise and then the resort time after. And he ranked the cruise number one, the resort time number two, and the parks actually number three. And I think part of that is, Picking up on the stress and kind of difficulty now of actually touring the parks makes it diminishes the fun just a little bit. It's still wonderful, um, but it's a, it diminishes the fun a little bit. Yeah, our son still ranks uh, his vacations as grandma's house is number one. I think it's really just grandma, uh, whether she's here or at her house. But grandma's number one. Aulani is number two. Cruising is number three. Parks are at the bottom end and there he would rate Disneyland over Disney World. So, um, so yeah, Both he is are uh, high on my list. I'd love to experience Ulani at some point and of course Disneyland. Ulani is the closest you'll get to being on the cruise line just on land and probably costs just as much if not more. So so yeah, it's it, it's a fun trip. It's the idea of having to fly from Maine to Hawaii that is not it's not high on the list of things I think that we'll get to hopefully soon. You got to fly to you got to fly to Anaheim. You got to take like a two week trip, you know, fly to Anaheim, do a little Disneyland, get your body clocks adjusted and then hop over to Hawaii. Yes, that's the way to do it. And maybe 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 make it maybe fly up to uh, Vancouver, take a Disney cruise to Alaska and then head home. There you go. There's a 
it's amazing trip right there. Well, when Sam asked about dream trips, I think I, I don't know if if the regulations allow it, but it would be so neat to be able to sail from the West Coast over to Hawaii. Well, the Disney does that right now. That's their repositioning route. They're not doing it in 2023, but uh, for the past several years, they have taken the Wonder from San Diego to Hawaii uh, as one cruise, and then Hawaii to Vancouver as the second cruise. And so uh, they, that's how they reposition the ship up to Alaska for the Alaska season. This year, uh, they had the Hawaii trips, but I can't remember where they ended because eventually the Wonder did a West Coast-based cruise that stopped in San Francisco to move up the coast. So I'm not sure if they went up to Vancouver and then did the Hawaii out and back and then started Alaska. But anyway, they have been going to Hawaii uh, on the cruise line. They're just not doing it in 2023, I don't believe. So I'm, I'm curious about... Uh, I'm curious about some of your favorites at the parks, and then I want to hear a little bit more about this resort-only stay. But let's start with some favorites at the parks. Um, standout attractions, things you got to experience uh, that you just really love and you know recommend for folks visiting the parks? Yeah, this time around, I think one of the standouts for me was Space Mountain. And I I like roller coasters, and I like Space Mountain okay. But this trip was the first trip where Jack was just completely all in on riding roller coasters. And so his excitement around riding Space Mountain made it just like a top notch for me. Um, So that was a big, a big one for me. And then I also always, always, always like Haunted Mansion and Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Yeah, those are timeless classics. There you go. Just like me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In terms of favorite new thing, I think we'd have to go with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. That was a new attraction for us this time. And we were lucky enough to ride it twice and thoroughly enjoyed that. I think you could ride that one a dozen times and and not get tired of it. It is very good. Yeah, that's a great ride. That's a great ride. Sam really loved that uh, the few times she's ridden it. I can't wait to try out Guardians. Uh, I I love the Ratatouille ride. Did you get to experience Ratatouille this time? We rode it the trip that we we were down in February for uh, a couple park days and a couple water park days. And so we rode it when we were there in February. We bought the individual lightning lane for it. And the ride itself, I loved, but I would have been upset if I had waited in a two and a half hour line for it because it was kind of short. I think once it gets through its initial uh, bump of, you know, being the the hot new thing, probably now as Guardians is about to open, I think Remy will die down a little bit. I think it's still a great attraction, great addition to the park, but um, not quite. I, I I preferred Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway over Remy for sure. Oh well, yeah, I I I just thought it elevated Mickey and Minnie's just slightly with the uh, the kind of sensory experience around the smells and the heat and the cold and all that sort of stuff. So I thought, I, th- I thought it was a fun ride. We only got to ride it once. Uh, we had a lightning lane purchase to ride it again. And then to your point early on the show, uh, I guess <laughs> Jeannie screwed up and our lightning lane didn't actually get charged through. So we showed up to the ride and had no, had no pass. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing show sponsors over at My Path Unwinding Travel. You know, Sam and I have gotten to know the agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel over time, and they are just so knowledgeable, so wonderful, so responsive, so welcoming. They have a great set of communities built on Facebook where they answer people's questions. We know that if you decide to book your next vacation with My Path Unwinding Travel, you will have a wonderful, wonderful experience. So if you are looking to book your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation and adventures, 
Adventures by Disney Vacation. Maybe you've been eyeing an all-inclusive resort vacation. Head over to mypathonwinding.com slash Duo to book your next vacation. We know you'll have a fantastic experience. And with that, back to our episode. What about food? Do you guys have some favorite dining spots besides the Hoopty Doo, which uh, our Patreons got to hear a little bit more about, but uh, some favorite dining spots on property? We at Magic Kingdom love, love, love Skipper Canteen. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so we went there for lunch on our Magic Kingdom Park Day. Yeah, that's always a highlight. I, I'd rate that as my number one uh, table service in Magic Kingdom. And then we just kind of ate quick service for the rest of the meals there. And then on the Hollywood Studios Day, we park hopped to Epcot in the afternoon and ate at the Crepery. And it was delicious. Yep. It was very good. I really like the creperie, but we've done it two trips in a row now. And I think I'm like, I'm, I'm good there for a little while. Um, so I, I think that's a, another great addition to the park. But in that prefix menu is a really good deal, as as the Touring Plans folks have pointed out. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to try something different. I think the next time we're in Epcot, it, but it's good. If you haven't done it, I recommend doing it. Uh, the, the kids options are limited because... The only menu items are the crepes, crepes, crepes. You don't have to get fancy. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, if if your kids are not on board with that, it might be a tougher sell. Yeah, I'm I'm a I have not tried the creperie yet. We we were going to try it the last time we were there and we just didn't get a chance. Uh, I'm also just a big fan of, um, oh, not Ale and Compass, but the uh, the UK restaurant with the fish and chips, the bar. Rose and Crown. Rose and Crown. Yes, Rose and Crown. Big fan of Rosencrown. And I think you mentioned in our main show the uh, the fireworks or the, I guess, the harmonious uh, experience you can have. We did the Illuminations experience at Rosencrown. And, and it's, it's just so fun to sit on that patio, have a seat, have a great view of the show. And I think the foods are pretty good. Food there's pretty yeah. Good. So, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's an all-time highlight. And and the shame with Harmonious is that Rosencrown is not positioned to see the um, Stargate straight on. So I'm sure it's still fun with the new show, but I don't think it is quite the same as what Illuminations used to be. Yeah, so I, we have we have been to the parks a couple of times. Our son doesn't like to stay up really late. Like we don't like to stay in the parks really late. So we don't usually catch the nighttime shows unless we've got like a maybe like a dessert party or something like a Rose and Crown dinner. It's interesting to hear. So we haven't seen Harmonious yet. And that's kind of disappointing to hear that maybe there's like a vantage point or two that you need to really be at to get the full effect of the show. Um, I agree. I think that's I think that's one of the negatives. I think that Harmonious is a great show. I really like the music from it. I think that the fireworks that go along with it are fantastic, but I feel like what takes it from a fireworks show to a nighttime spectacular is getting to see these projections on the barges. You have to be at certain points of of World Showcase to actually be able to see them. Essentially, you need to be at 12 o'clock or 6 o'clock on the lagoon, or you won't get a good view through the Stargate and see kind of the main projection part of the show. So that is, you know, a weakness in the new show, I would say. I would not say that it makes it bad. It's no different than if you're watching Happily Ever After from Frontierland. It's still a great show. The music is compelling. There are fireworks. It's really exciting. You just can't see the projections. Well, I'm also curious about this stay you had on the back end of your trip, which was a DVC stay and you just hung out at the resort. But what's interesting to me is the resort you hung out at was the Polynesian, which is just a stone's throw from the Magic Kingdom right on the monorail. So was it tempting to want to head over to the parks or did you just really enjoy relaxing at the resort? It was extremely tempting. And so when we went into the trip, we were very concrete that we were doing the park days before and then 
the days at the Polynesian were just going to be for relaxing and recovering and no park days. And then lo and behold, we get off the ship and we're driving back to Orlando and we are feverishly checking for park reservations. And of course, by then there were none, which made the decision for us. Really? None? None? None. No park. Wow. There, were none. there were none. And so... Because we were, we were even trying to think, you know, if we could get a park reservation to any of the parks, we could go there for some time and then park off to a different park. It was not to be. And so we ended up buying tickets to Drawn to Life at Disney Springs instead. And that ended up working out fantastic. That was a, That's a new highlight for me, for sure. That was the first Cirque show that I'd ever experienced and uh, just really loved that uh, um, experience. It was innovative and I didn't know what to expect, but it, it wasn't exactly that, but it was great. I, I don't know even how to describe it, but it was uh, definitely worth the time and money, I think. Yeah, it was the show was just beautiful. And so went to the resort after leaving Port Canaveral. We did a little bit of pin trading. Jack's very into pin trading. So we did some of that and headed over to Disney Springs to look around a little bit and see Drawn to Life. And then we came back to the resort and our room was basically right at the Oasis pool. And so we got everything to the room and the boys went out for a late night in the Oasis pool. And the next day we rode the monorail around. We had a lunch reservation at Steakhouse Steakhouse 71. 71. I really wanted to try that burger that everybody's talking about. So it did not disappoint. Steakhouse 71 for lunch is a great choice. Yeah, it was good. And we rode the monorail around to the TTC and then took the Epcot loop just to spend some time and then came back over and went to the pool again. I was checking our timestamps on our transition day. So you know how it is when you exit the Disney ship and you're a little bit sad. And that was 748. But uh, we we drowned our sorrows in Dole Whip. At, at 1012, we had our Dole Whip at the Polynesian. So really not not a bad way to spend a morning. And so I'm curious, you were staying at the Poly. Did you go to Ohana? We discussed going to Ohana, but we, I, yeah, <laughs> we had a reservation for Ohana and ultimately canceled it. I think the main thing was we didn't want to have any set schedule. We really wanted to get to just pool time and relaxation was the word of the day. So we were happy enough with Captain Cook's for breakfast. And I think we did Kona to go for dinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was that worked out really well. We felt like pros because Megan went up and grabbed dinner and brought it down. And we ate dinner in the Adirondack chairs on the beach watching Enchantment. And um, it was fantastic. But yeah, we canceled the Ohana reservation. And I think everything else was just quick service. Quick serve. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, it sounds like a fun trip. And certainly Jack's uh, rating would suggest that the time spent at the Poly was uh, time well spent <laughs> for a resort only stay. So that's that's awesome. That's what it, I, I do find it's nice to have the back end stay at the parks once you get off the ship to kind of soften the blow uh, of leaving the uh, the wonderful embrace of Disney Cruise Line. Uh, and I think the way you did it makes a ton of sense because then you don't uh, you, you don't wear yourselves out at the parks after such a relaxing cruise uh, on the dream. So what a fabulous vacation. Those resort pools were just such an attraction for Jack. We, we just had a great time. It was perfect. We played for hours and hours in the pools. Nice, nice. Well, I'm glad the weather cooperated because not, it's not always uh, it's not always pool weather, I guess. So, right. Yeah. I mean, that's always lucky. the variable, right? But it ended up being great the whole way through. Well, thank you so much for spending a little extra time with us, Josh and Megan. Really, really appreciate it. So fun hearing about your stay at, uh, at Disney World. And so just appreciate you taking the time. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been really fun to talk. I love talking Disney and it's been great. As always, thank you so much out there for listening to our bonus show this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. And if you leave us a written review, we will read it on the air in our main show each and every week. We love connecting with you, our listeners, and hearing your feedback. So head over there, leave us a review. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also connect with our show via our voice mail line. If you'd like to send us a question, a comment, or otherwise have us address your feedback on the air, then just leave us a message at 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can always browse to youtube.com slash DCL Duo for our vlog. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for making this show happen each and every month. We also really appreciate our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. If you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney vacation, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of Disney Cruise Line or the Disney Company. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo.